tall order tonight. We're going to attempt Yirtzeh um, uh, Hashem, with Hashem's guidance, as always, um, have the opportunity to study uh, another Midah, the Midos Hayom. Uh, and hopefully we're good. My plan tonight is to get through two Midos, to get through um, today's, this past day's Midah of Netzach Shebegvura, uh, and also get us ahead of the curve into Hod Shebegvura, which I think is the ideal place for us to be. Um, so we kind of can get into a schedule where we're constantly learning about the upcoming day's Mida, and we'll have the opportunity to spend the entire day with a little bit more awareness um, and perspective about what that day is meant to be accomplishing. So thankfully, this is a good opportunity to do this because Netzach and Hod are a coupled pair of Midot uh, in a similar way in the sense that Chesed and Gvura comprise two parallel components through which Tiferet finds itself as the middle ground, as the as a kind of the calibration between the two. And what we'll see is that Netzach and Hod uh, are paralleled with Chesed and Gvura, and Yesod parallels with Tiferet. And so it's a good opportunity to kind of see two sides of, two faces of a, of a shared reality uh, in these two components of Gvura. So what we've seen so far, again, just to bring us into, into the mind space, uh, when we're dealing with the Midos, and we're dealing with, the, with this whole notion of how Hashem is Megala in the world, we understand that if Hashem creates a world, the world being finite is limited. That, therefore, the, to whatever extent Hashem is, is Megala himself in the world, is also a limited Giloi. Uh, and so by definition, if it's going to be limited, there's going to be finite aspects that we that come across um, from the across the boundary from in, from the infinite existence of Hashem into the finite world, um, and so as a result of that, we can pick up on these on what we refer to as midot, right? There, there are ways that we can measure Hashem's giloy in the world, and there's a system through which um, Hashem's hanhaga comes to full manifestation within the world, uh, and that's this notion of the sfirot. Um, so what we've been looking at is the is the sphera of Givura, uh, and as the Ramchal talks about extensively, it's part of the whole system of Kabbalah is that when you're dealing with the the Hanhaga of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, specifically the Ramchal talks about there being two different systems of, of Hashem's Hanhaga, but when we're dealing with the Hanhaga, what's called Yosher, where you have this kind of mapped out system, there are interrelationships between the different Midos. And therefore, we find things like Netzach Shebegvura, Hod Shebegvura, ways in which the different Midos interplay within each other, and it's uh, this intermeshed system. So we've been looking at this notion of Gevura, which is strength, resilience, resistance, inner fortitude. Uh, and tonight we're looking at the concept of Netzach Shebegvura, which was today's Mida. And what we're seeing over here is, what we're, what we're going to look at over here is this notion of, of Netzach. So Netzach is a word that has a variety of connotations to it. In, on the one hand, Nitzuach means victory. So it means to succeed or to conquer. It has the connotation of eternity, infinitude, right? Lenetzach Netzachim, for all of time, for all eternity. It also has the connotation of a conductor, like it is in Tehillim, Lamenatzeach, to the conductor. So there's different connotations that the word comes across with. What I want to look at with you guys is this notion of the victory. 
how victory and eternality kind of interplay in this Mida, this notion of Netzach being eternity, and also the fight, right? The eternal fight, if you will, uh, which is the Mida of, of Netzach per se, and how that expresses itself as a component of Gevurah. There's a, a great quote I came across uh, from this fellow, this ancient uh, mythic Greek uh, warrior named Telamon of Arcadia, where he says, it's one thing to study war and another to live the warrior's life. And that idea is that when we're dealing with Gvura, Gvura is not just a theoretical concept where a person has this inner resistance or doesn't, where they act upon their values or they don't act upon it. There's a lifestyle, there's a, a, an eternal commitment that is included within the notion of Gvura. And that is that when a person is truly a Gibor, they're always a Gibor. Meaning that that quality of Gvur that they have doesn't take a break. There's no point at which he's like not fighting the fight, right? In other words, you might not be at battle right now, but you're constantly engaged in the in the whole notion and the conquest uh, of the mission that you've set off upon. Even if you happen to be staying over the night, you're still continuously at, on the mission. And we see HaKadosh Baruch Hu described in this way in a, in a number of different places. But uh, one of the most beautiful places where the Torah uses this is in the very famous story of uh, the tearing away of the Malchut of Shaul by Shmuel after Shaul fails in his mission to successfully kill out the Amalekim. So Shmuel turns away, right? He tells him that you're going to have the, you're going to lose the Malchut and you're, it's going to be given over to somebody else. And Shmuel turns around to leave and Shaul grabs onto his garment, right? Onto his cloak and tears off a piece. And Shmuel uses that as a prophetic symbolism to indicate a deeper truth that Hashem was trying to convey. And Hashem says, he says, Hashem has torn away the Mamlachut Yisrael from you and will give it to your friend who is better than you. And he says, and don't make any mistake, don't think that if Hashem has said this, that there's going to be any, you know, go backsies or any sort of mechila or compassion or, you know what, we'll let you stick around for another term. Says the Navi, Vegam Netzach Yisrael lo yishaker, the eternal one of Israel or the eternal, you know, victor of Israel. The Balha Netzach never lies. Velo yinachem, and he does not reconsider. Kilo adam hu God is not human in as much as he would not reconsider a decision as this. And today and right now is not the time and place to, dis- to discuss how there are many instances in the Torah where it does say, Vayinachem Hashem. But as far as the purposes over here, what we're seeing is that as, when Hashem is Megal himself as Netzach, and again, as, as I've mentioned, these are different aspects of, of how Hashem manifests in the world that are not always happening and always present. These are aspects of how Hashem can express himself in the world. Sometimes different midos are more present, more potent, more active, and sometimes they're recessive and not playing a, a dominant role. So there might be times where Hashem is Yenachem, but the, in an instance when Hashem is, is expressing as Netzach Yisrael, the eternal one of Israel, the one who is constantly at war on, for the, on the behalf of Israel, God is eternally committed to the battle that he fights. And we, we've pointed out a few times already that when Yirmiyahu describes the destruction of Israel and the, and the first Hurban of the Beit HaMikdash and the exile of the Jewish people, so the way Yirmiyahu describes it is that Hashem says, no, at beiti, I've, 
I have forsaken my home. Natashti et nachalati. I've uprooted my inheritance, my my uh, my my home base. And he says, I've given over the beloved of my soul into the hands of their enemy. Which, if you think about it, is an unbelievable uh, determination. You know, how many of us would fall apart under, in, you know, such a circumstance? To have to give over the, you know, Mahmad Einenu, the most precious and desirable thing in our eyes, in order for it to learn the ultimate lesson and to never cave and to never give in. You know, if anyone, anyone who's here who's a parent or, you know, or has any sort of role in influencing another person knows that even in trivial matters, it's so difficult to maintain a, a degree of resolution. Even if we've made up our mind that it's a valuable thing to be involved in, there's a, a commitment that is required in the, in the pursuit of Gvura, in the living a life of a Gibor, which is truly Nitzchiyot, which is an undying battle for establishing the values that we have decided we are going to embark upon. As we saw last time, that it doesn't just need to be beautiful, as Rabbi Yehuda Nasi told us, that the, a person's path in, in making choices and in executing judgment has to take into consideration the tiferet, the harmony, the integration of the details of one's own life and their own potential within the world as, at, at, at large. But what's coming to the forefront here is that that can't just be a passing fling. In other words, that's not a decision that one reassesses every five years. Right? That's not called netzach. For HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the way that Hashem comes across in the world, the netzach in Hashem's gevura is that Hashem's commitments never waver. Like we say, God never sleeps, He never slumbers, He's the guardian of Israel. And that God is constantly and, and consistently imbuing his will and his desire for creation, into creation. There's never a cessation from God's ultimate desire and his, and his dreams for creation, so to speak. Those things never go away. And so we also find this you know, in a number of other instances. The Torah talks about, you know, after Amalek comes to fight the Jewish people, so we have this concept, There's this eternal intergenerational war that God wages between himself as represented in the Jewish people and the people of Amalek and the Midot that they represent, the cynicism, the negativity, the coldness, the, you know, the, the reductionism that is so definitive of Amalek. Those things are antithetical to God and will always be antithetical to God. And so one aspect of Gvura, which we're seeing over here, the Netzach Shebe is that a Gibor's quest is never over. And what that means is that there might be hard days and there might be days where the Gibor gets up and he's really not in the mood of pursuing that battle and, and fighting for those values that he holds dear to. Um, but it means that nonetheless, he's going to fight that fight. He's going to fight the good fight. I read a beautiful quote. There's a great book called The War of Art. Uh, if you really want to get a kick in the tuchus to get moving on your on your commitments in life, you read The War of Art, Stephen Pressfield. Uh, he brings a little story over there. The truth is I did some research on the story. No one really knows who this quote is from, but it's a great quote nonetheless, where he says, someone once asked this writer, Somerset Maugham, if he wrote on a schedule or only when struck by inspiration. In other words, do you have a consistent schedule for your writing, for your output of your literature? Or is it one of these, like, when I'm inspired, then I'll sit down and write? So he, he responded with a very you know, witty line. 
He said, I write only when inspiration strikes. Fortunately, it strikes every morning at nine o'clock sharp. And the idea over there is that you don't wait for inspiration. A true professional takes inspiration into their own life by force. And that is that if they're going to live the life of a gibor, then they're going to have to have a nitzchiyut commitment to that fight. And that means that even when they've got to drag themselves out of bed in order to fight that fight, and even if, as, as he continues on in the book, even if you're going to write 10 pages and throw them in the garbage a minute later, you know that you've got up and you fought your battle and you've kept your commitment true and strong amidst unimaginable adversity. And that's a, a secondary component, which is the eternal resilience of the gibor. That it's not just that he maintains his value, but that he pushes through adversity. And that no matter what comes in his, in his way, he's unfazed in his commitment to, to the battle, to the decision that he's made. And because of that, there's something that's very eternal and, and global about that decision. So that the Rambam says in Hilchos Sanhedrin, the 23rd chapter, and he's basically quoting straight from the Gemara, which the Gemara says that the Rambam Paskins that Kol Dayan Shedan Din Emet Amito. Any judge who executes pure, unadulterated justice in its purest and most true manner, and again, parenthetically, we saw last time that that true judgment, objective judgment, includes a sensitivity to the individual, includes an empathy, includes tiferet. Says the Rambam, anyone who executes true judgment, ki'ilu tikein et kol ha'ulam kulo, it's as if he rectified the entire world. The entire world? Sure, of course, what do you mean? Vigorem l'shechina shetishrevi Yisrael. And he causes Hashem's presence to dwell amongst the people of Israel. And that's because if a person takes up the mantle of true gvura, of judgment, of discernment, of clarity, of fighting for those values that they know to be true, They've taken their place in the partnership with God in fighting for the nitzchiyot of, of emet, of truth, of consistency within our world, as individuals and as a whole. And that's why we're told throughout, it's one of the most frequently spoken about concepts, especially when you read through the Navi, the notion of tzedek, tzedek, tirdof, chase after justice. Don't let it be something passive. Don't let it be something that when you have the opportunity, you do it. Chase justice. Run after it. Leman in order that you live, says the Pasuk. You think you're going to live a life without chasing justice? I mean, how many times a day are you confronted with a justice-related situation? It's not the point. It doesn't matter if you're being confronted with it. You need to be running after justice. The fight needs to be eternal. And so we find this reflected all throughout uh, the, the, the writings, Yeshayahu tells us when he, the beginning of, of Yeshayahu, when he's ripping on the Jewish people for their pathetic attempts at bringing korbanos uh, in an empty way, which lacks any of the integrity and, and true desire to build closeness with Hashem. So Yeshayahu tells them, I don't understand why you bring it, you're trampling my courtyard, you're coming into the Deis Mikdash, you're slicing up animals, splattering blood all over. And when Yeshayahu tells the Jewish people, he says, Limdu learn goodness for God's sake. Dirshu Mishpat, seek out justice. 
And these people are sitting there thinking like, seek out justice. I, don't, I just want to get past my Hill Shabbos I did last week. No, you missed the picture. It's not about your stupid little Hill Shabbos and shechting the animal in the courtyard. This has to do with the world. It has to do with being done, dinamet lamito, rectifying the entire universe under a, a quest for mishpat, for bringing the entire world together under divine justice. Ashru chamot, shiftu yatom, rivu elmana, take up the battle for the, for the downtrodden, for the widow, for the orphan, for those who can't defend themselves. Make the battle for justice an endless quest on your part. And we also find this uh, the Gemara says, Kol chacham. The Gemara says that a Tamil Chacham who doesn't fight back for the honor of the Torah, he's not a real Tamil Chacham. He can know tremendous amounts of Torah. But if you don't stand up for honor, if you don't have a backbone when it comes to values, if you aren't willing to put yourself on the line and commit yourself to that battle, you're not a Tamil Chacham. That's just not the way it goes. And so Netzach Shibigvura calls upon us to fight the good fight, even when we're not feeling it, to realize that, that commitment to justice is eternal, that, that if we are going to be resilient, we must be eternally resilient, and to take that upon ourselves and recognize that the same way that Hashem is the Netzach Yisrael lo Yishaker, we should strive to have within ourselves and to, and to live our lives as reflections of the Nitzchiyot of Yisrael. And to not allow ourselves to succumb to, to momentary desires and being strayed, maintain a commitment to being done under all circumstances. Now, we're going to look quickly, if you'll bear with me for a few more minutes, to look at the next Mida. We're going into tomorrow's Mida of Hod Shibigvura, glory within justice. What is glory within justice? So to open up this, this concept of, of the differences really between Netzach and Hod, I want to direct your attention to a Gemara in Mesechus Brachos, Daf Nun Aleph, right at the bottom of the Daf. The Gemara says, says over a Brisa in the name of Rabbi Akiva. And it says Darshaning, the famous Pasuk, especially if anyone who's studying the Spheros, this is like the most famous Pasuk in all of the whole Kabbalistic approach to understanding the system, because the, this is the pasuk which describes these seven midos. That we say it every day: Lecha Hashem Agdula Vagvura Vatiferet Vahanetzach Vahod Kichob Hashemayim Uvaaretz Lecha Hashem Mamlacha Vamisnasei Lechol Larosh. Very famous pasuk, Divrei Hayamim. And so the Gemara says an amazing thing: goes through each one of these words and tells us what it is. And for our purposes, we're just going to focus on the last two in the list. Rabbi Akiva says Lecha Hashem Agdula. To Hashem is greatness. That was Kriyat Yamsuf, the splitting of the sea. Vagvura, Hashem's might, his Gvura, the Mida that we're dealing with here. Zumakas Bechoros, that is the strike on the firstborns, the plague of the firstborns. Vatiferet, what was the beauty? Zematan Torah, that was Matan Torah. The Tiferes, Lamuze Baten, the incredible opportunity, the Keser, the, you know, the Gemara talks about the Ksarim that each. And every member of Israel received two two crowns from the Malachim who came flying down. Says the Gemara here, this is the point that I want to focus your attention on. The eternal, this is Jerusalem. The Hod, the glory, is the base of Mikdash. What is that supposed to mean? Netzach is Jerusalem, 
and Hod is the Beis HaMikdash. So of course there's many different explanations that are offered for such a Gemara. I just want to offer you one insight to it that ties it into these two Midos. And that is that Yerushalayim is the eternal city. Uh, Rabbi Sachs beautifully says it's the eternal city for the eternal people, the Netzach Yisrael. And that is that Yerushalayim never goes away. As a city, it never has gone away. It's been an eternal presence in our lives from the birth of our, of our people, from the beginnings of everything, from Avraham and Yitzhak and Yaakov. If you look at the, the Rambam talks about in Hilchos Beis Bechira, the Makam of the Mizbeach is the place that we were formed. The, the entire notion of Yerushalayim as a place is at the foundation of the world. It's the foundation of everything. And in that sense, it's eternal. But the Beis HaMikdash is not always there. The glory that is the Beis HaMikdash has only been present for small pockets of our history. You know, in fact, we've spent close to 2,000 years praying every single day. The desire to come back to see that incredible glory, the the incredible home that the majesty of Hashem's presence is, is fully manifest. Hod is something which mirrors Netzach. It speaks of the eternality of Hashem's Gilui in the world, but it's not always at the forefront. It's something that's much more personal. Often, Hod lives under the surface. And that even when the Nitzchiot is not being manifest, we can understand that there is a, an underlying glory that lives at the core. There's a beautiful... Uh, a commentary by the Malbim where he, where he speaks this out in his parish on the Chumash. Uh, and I'll read to you the, the, the critical lines over here. He's commenting and he says an amazing thing. He's just talking about the difference between Hadar and Hod. Hod v'Hadar, right? We often talk about those two things, you know, kind of collectively. Hodcha v'Hadarecha, right? So he says, what is the difference between Hod and Hadar? And the Malbim says, Hod is a, is a thing shehu ha'inyan ha'pnimi it's the inner essence of a thing which gives expression and beauty to it as far as its own essence, as far as its own construct. Whatever that thing might be. And he says, therefore, he says, This is an inner selfhood, the notion of hod. And therefore, we don't always find it coming into activity. We don't see it actually manifesting in action. It can live dormant within a person, but doesn't take expression, but nonetheless, it's there. Now, why is this uh, an important recognition? Because as I mentioned at the beginning, the Mekubalim see parallels between Netzach and Chesed on the one hand, and Hod along with Gvura on the other hand. Gvura, which has a, a connotation of holding back, of resistance, right? Gibor Oftentimes, the Gibor has to hold back as the very expression of his Gvura, right? As we've, as we've seen many times already. And so the notion of Hod Gvura is that in the holding back, in the resistance, in the maintaining value within, is often the greatest expression of the Gvura itself. So in other words, and, and as I've mentioned this already, the, the Mikubalim see that Chesed, Gvura, and Tiferet are really the entire construct of the Anhaga of Hashem. 
And Hod, Netzach, Hod, and Yisod are kind of the birth products of these three Midot. So the Hod that, that exists is not just that the Gibor holds back. You know, like I'll give you an example. If, a, if the Gibor has an opportunity to act and doesn't, so often we see that as a lowering of value, right? If someone has an opportunity to jump in, let's say you're walking by and, you know, you know, this poor homeless guy is getting beat up on the street and you don't jump in to help. So the very fact that you didn't jump in, that you were kovesh at Yitzro and you exercised gevura is not an expression of hod in that instance because it doesn't speak of, of an inner conviction to value. It doesn't speak of what it means to be the gibor on the inside. What hod says is that when Hashem doesn't act, when Hashem ex- utilizes the midah of gvura, it's expressive of a deep inner value. And that the concept of holding back has that innate component within itself. And so we have this notion that's manifest. And again, I want to point out, you know, the, for our purposes, we're really trying to focus on how we can live the midot. How these spherot are manifest in the Torah as the instructions for living, as the instructions for living our lives in, in parallel, in, in mirror image of Hashem. So this concept, I think, is brought out in the Gemara right at the beginning of Brachos and Dafvav Aleph, where it's Darshan in the Pasuk, where the Gemara says, Rav Ashi says, that if a person intends to do a mitzvah, Chashav Adam Lasos Mitzvah, and something outside of his control prevents him from doing the mitzvah, the Torah considers it as if you actually did the mitzvah. How's that possible? I thought mitzvahs are about bottom line, right? Did I do the action? Did I not do the action? Did I shake the lulav? Did I not shake the lulav? What the Gemara is saying is that the mitzvahs have a lot more to do with who the person is who's doing the mitzvah, right? Who are you shaking the lulav? So if, if you're doing the action devoid of value, it's just as, as much a parallel to the guy who doesn't jump in to save the homeless person. It's devoid of the inner conviction that should be underlying a person's decision to either fight the fight or hold back as it might be. And so for a person to desire to do the mitzvah, to chase after the opportunity to do the mitzvah, and ultimately not have the opportunity to, in essence, is the same as somebody who actually would have fulfilled the opportunity of, of doing the mitzvah. So I just want to close with you uh, with one more really beautiful Gemara over here, which, uh, which says, the Gemara says in, in Avodah Zarah that the person is supposed to desire the mitzvos, not the schar of the mitzvos. The Gemara in Avodah Zarah, Yotesa Baralv says, the mitzvos sav chafetz ma'od, he, he desires greatly the mitzvos. Amar Abelazar, the mitzvosav lo b'schar mitzvosav. A person should desire the mitzvah, not the outgrowth of the mitzvah, not the reward that you'll receive as a result of the mitzvah. Because to desire the mitzvah means you have that hode within yourself. You desire the value. You identify with the value that the mitzvah is, not with the paycheck that you'll get at the end of the day. And the Gemara goes immediately into quoting the, the Mishnah in Pirkei Avot, which says, and that's what it says, what it says in the Mishnah, don't be like those who serve their master in order to receive a reward. Rather be like the Avadim who serve their masters. That the, the idea is that you shouldn't be doing it out of an external motivation, but rather it should be coming internally. 
I just want to close, you know, I said I was going to close before, but just one, it's, it's just too beautiful not to, to share this Malbim with you. One of the most incredible commentaries of the Malbim. This is a beautiful thing. The Pasuk in Tehillim says, Ashrei Adam oz lo bach misilot bilvavam. Praiseworthy is the person who has strength in God within him. Oz lo bach. His, his strength, his, his fortitude in God is within Misilot bilvavam, pathways within his own heart, it says. So kind of a cryptic pasuk. Praiseworthy is the person who has strength in God within himself. He has pathways within his own heart. And the pasuk goes on to say that ultimately, Yelchum echayel el chayil, you will go from one strength to the next, Yera'eh el Elohim betzion, and you ultimately will be seen by God in Zion, in Yerushalayim, in the base of Mikdash. So the Malbim says something incredibly beautiful. He says, the, the meaning of the Pasuk is as follows. It might be true that right now you're unable to go to the house of God, to the base of Mikdash, in action. That might be outside of your means and your abilities. There is no base of Mikdash. You're living in Galus. But nonetheless, praiseworthy is the person who has the strength within himself. He never gives up hope. He hopes with vigor, with incredible strength in the salvation of God. And he says, what does it mean that he has pathways in his heart? That a person who has this level of inner conviction, who has this gvura that's within himself, the misilot bilvavam, the hod, the values of the desire to live in the Beis HaMikdash, to be able to visit the Beis HaMikdash, that never gives up hope that one day, today, tomorrow, the next, I'll be able to be back at that place of the hod tiferet beiteinu, that a person like this finds within himself misilot kvushot, deep down pathways within himself that, that until now had been covered over. Shabam yeshuvu And it's on those very pathways that he uncovers within himself, within his own heart. Those are the pathways that will lead him back to Tzion. Meaning to say, Even though those pathways currently don't exist, there's nothing physical to them. They live only in the person's heart. That his heart is filled with a hope and a direct line of strength towards God. He finds within himself these uh, these covered up paths within his own heart, that ultimately it is those paths that will bring a person back to Tzion, back to the Beis HaMikdash, to the, to the Hod that we saw mentioned in the Gemara. So what the Malbim, I think, is beautifully summarizing for us here is that Hod Shibikvura means that a person never dies as far as their commitment to the values within their heart. Whether the Gvura is coming out on the inside or not, whether the Gvura means that they're going to act or they're going to resist, whether they're fighting the good fight in action, or it's living as, a, as an ember within their heart. The hode of that gvura is the fact that those values are what's motivating you and keeping you up 
every single day. What gets you out of bed and what keeps you out of, up at night is the hod, that, that owes, that strength that lives within a person, which is that hod, the mesilot bilvavam, that the, the Malbim is talking about. It's that hod, that inner glory of a person, which ultimately is the solution to finding that hod and to regaining access to the binyan beis amikdash that will mirtzasham be zocha to have b'mehera b'yameinu. So those are some thoughts on the on these two midot. I'm sorry it took a little bit longer than than I hoped for, but thanks for for sticking it out with me. Mirtzasham, we'll see you all tomorrow.